Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of the Mysteries of Chaos and Shadow podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. How you doing this week? I am doing great this week. How are you? Whoo, I am so ready to dive back into the paranormal. We've been having a, a fantastic time. We've been burning, I guess, the wick at bur- both ends here. Um, we had our, our yeah. first podcast <laughs> edited last week, which was so cool. It was. And then you and I just kicked so much butt on so many different oh topics. Gosh, you want to talk did. about some of those? Yes, let's talk about them. Uh, so what I've worked on this week is I did a couple of articles. Uh, one of them is a under one of the paid tiers. That's under the, I believe, $5 tier. And then On Patreon? I think it's, no, it's the $15 tier. Sorry. Um, and but this is on Patreon, Yes, right? this Sorry is on Patreon. That. Correct. Yes. And then I also did a free article also on Patreon this week. Uh, both are available right now. Uh, one is on the haunted suicide forest in Japan. And the other one is on whether or not pets, when they pass, can haunt us. So if those interest you, please head over to the Patreon and check them out. Uh, We've also dived into a ton of research and looked at so many cool videos and so many cool things this week, just between the two of us. We have done so much amazing stuff on the website. And the coolest part all week is we have a brand new logo for the show. We do. Also, um, we we also have a new uh, new patron that just signed up. So shout out to Ninth Pond. Thank you very much for your five dollar uh, patron sub just now uh, as we're getting into it. So that that is very cool. Um, yes, a new logo. If you guys haven't checked it out, it is KyleDempsterStudios.com. Uh, we'll probably eventually redirect the Chaos and Shadow one here. People in chat, you may have kind of caught this. Uh, as a reminder, we're doing the show live here on, on Twitch Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern time. So you can come out, hang out with the chat, share your opinions on things, and we'll try and bring them into the show as they're relevant. But um, so for this week, we're kind of showing up here. Again, KyleDempsterStudios.com. Uh, we did a whole chaos and shadow page. Pagan and I settled on this amazing logo. Please go check it out. It's like a tying together of Freemasonry plus Cthulhu. It's this great, like it fits the chaos and shadow vibe so well. We got this great spooky background going for it. So we're probably actually going to adjust the um, the podcast in in the coming weeks with this logo. So we don't want to shock you guys. We're, again... Sticking with our idea of traversing through a a shady woods, but we thought this would play much better. This is something I would love to have on a shirt. Like, we were just kind of thinking, yeah, this guy has personality. The other one was cool. What are we calling this one? George, did you say? I think we named him George because we're like, that guy, we don't know what to call him. We don't even know what he is, but he is now George. So I I think if he's George... The spooky family. Our other George. ones like Bob or something like that. <laughs> Bob and we have George. George and Bob. Bob's being retired. He wasn't, he didn't have the personality, the pizzazz that we need. So George does. George brings I mean, the wide eyes. To be fair, Bob was always walking away from us. So that's true. <laughs> he was always on his back turn. <laughs> didn't did. care. He didn't Bob, care. you're off the merch, man. You're off the merch. <laughs> So Pagan and I spent a great amount of time. We went through here. I, I hope you guys are enjoying the website. It, I, I think it looks really classy, but we'll take any and all feedback. Um, if you guys catch any spelling errors or anything like that, let me know. We literally just slapped this up there. But uh, we got our five-star reviews and, and positive comments that we've got in the show. So if you guys want 
your things highlighted up there, your testimonials about the show, please get in touch. Please post them on iTunes. Um, if you don't think I've seen them or anything, just flag them for me too. I would, I would love to get some more of those up there. We are doing so much with Patreon where we're doing articles multiple times per month. We're actually going to get you a roadmap at some point of how Patreon works. We're going to get you check-ins and things. Mm -hmm. But we're trying to also share all that free content over on the KyleDempsterStudios.com blog so that it kind of ranks up search engine and all that sort of stuff. And we're just getting it out there to more eyes. For example, I saw literally in the metrics more people catching it when I put it on to this website. I don't know if Patreon is bad to crawl on Google, but... Either way, there's multiple places for you guys to check it out. This also has ways for you to stream the show. So again, anything you need, we're going to fill it out with some more links, making it even easier for people to grab their favorite podcast player. And I will put out a PSA that if you guys like to listen to it in a certain place and this show is not syndicated there already, again, let us know because we will gladly get that sorted for you if possible. Yes, we will do our very best to get it to wherever it needs to go. Yeah, uh, but we're yeah, the, the website looks great. I think that the logo would looks great. Uh, we even revamped the Patreon tier logo we images. Did. Um, so if you guys haven't, you know, I, of course we're like pitching Patreon at this point, and <laughs> we are. But the, the truth is, <laughs> we did a lot of work on the Patreon. Um, so you guys should check that out, and I hope that you guys will also enjoy them as much as we do. Um, yeah, yeah, I. I if I can tack on there and say, you know, we, we've tried to make the Patreon very free as well. We've tried to make it very, like, approachable. So there's really opt-in options. But even if you just want to hang out and just be a follower totally for free, you're still getting value by going there. You're not getting everything. I hope you can understand. But you're getting cool articles written by Pagan and just extra stuff as we, you know, throw it together. So mm -hmm. join up. The logo's all over there. It's very, very cool. Very uh, anything cool. else? We need to hit up today before we dive into I it. I don't think so. If I forgot something, we'll tell you guys on social media, Discord, and all yeah. that good stuff because I'm I'm going to say no because I think we covered We're everything. I think so, too. And I guess the last thing I would say, which segues us directly into the topic, is if you guys have not checked it out, one of the free things I'm throwing up there is news articles from the last week. So I'm going to try and get that up there again tomorrow, Friday, the... Uh, August 7th. I'm going to try and get that up there. There are so many news articles breaking about current UFO sightings. Uh, a lot of opinion pieces still breaking out of the last week's news, which was all about more Pentagon information. So UFOs, very, very timely. We did Betty and Barney Hill last week. So let's dive into the Exeter incident because this one is one pig. And I had no freaking clue that this event even happened. Without further ado totally Let's set it out i really didn't have any idea about the exeter case either uh would you like to set this up or shall i yeah uh i if it's okay with you i'll dive right into absolutely. this absolutely go for it so as we said with betty and barney hill last time that took place in september of 1961 and this case is happening in september of 1965 both uh, located in New Hampshire, which is, again, our, our area of focus. Um, Peg had mentioned some Massachusetts activity that is also tied in, again, weirdly with that recurring September of 1960-something date. So very, very strange. But in this case, we are following uh, Norman Muscarello. He is an 18-year-old who is hitchhiking uh, to his girlfriend's house and at Amesbury, Massachusetts. So it's about five miles south of Exeter. 
Uh, and this is going on about 2 a.m. in the morning. So again, we got this guy. He's 18 years old. He's about to leave to enlist in the Navy. And while he's going along uh, New Hampshire 150, he sees these red lights. He's approaching kind of a farmhouse. And he sees these lights. They're so bright that at first he thinks they're related to a police or fire vehicle. You know, this is some sort of emergency situation. And they are bouncing off of, of these houses. Um, so much so, Pagan. They were so bright that it was said to actually illuminate two of the houses there which seems very common to what we've heard with other cases. Absolutely. And the thing is, these bright kind of lights and the craft, I think you mentioned, was silent. Um, But if not, I will mention that it was apparently silent as well. And with there was no sound, there was nothing there, just these flashing lights. And these lights are something that we see across all UFO lore. Well, not all, I should say, a lot of UFO lore. That they'll just be these big bright lights. And sometimes they'll be red. Sometimes they'll be other colors. But it was just extremely fascinating why they were very different from the the Hill case. Because I believe those were multicolored lights versus these red ones. Um, yeah, I, I think they were multicolored last week. And one thing for this one is, as I have noted here later in our show notes, uh, I guess when they, they talk about the lights, they were flashing in a pattern like one, two, three, four, five, four, three, two, one. So I guess they were like building up crescendoing and then, mm-hmm. cre- you know, going down. So I, in a pattern. Um, again, I don't, I, I can't remember for the life of me. I've been doing so many UFOs. Did the Hill say they had multicolored? Cause that, I, I know they were red at first, I but I don't remember. So I think that, um, Betty re- <laughs> remarked on the multicolored lights. That does sound familiar. Poor, poor Betty. One, one thing we kind of learned after the show, um, what's well, doing further research is, is Betty made a lot of wild claims later on. I, I, I'm still fascinated by her case and what, what happened there, but, uh, yeah, there's so much to dive into with these. So, so anyway, we, we got, uh, Muscarello, Norman Muscarello, he's seen these lights walking home along the highway, scared the hell out of him. I'm going to say, because from all recollection, he dives into a ditch because the lights actually start moving towards him. So he's like, I'm getting out of the way of these guys, jumps into a ditch. And then I, some stories, I, I see a more more straightforward story that then says he like jumps out in front of the nearest car he can find. Uh, others say he goes over to the dining residence and starts pounding on the door. I guess they didn't open because, again, it's like two in the morning. What, you know, someone's slamming on your door and you live in the middle of nowhere. You're, you're uh, not no. so likely. Don't open the door. Could be could nah. be a serial killer. Don't do it. Honestly, those are the creepiest things. We had a couple people knock on our door at weird times of the night when I lived in the middle of nowhere. And yeah, that's a, that's a haunting feeling. So uh, they haunting. didn't answer, but he he gets in front of this car. They actually take him into the police station. And when he gets there, the police actually noted how shaken he was upon arrival. And this is kind of where a little bit else, uh, other stuff ties in. So let me check on the name here. I have it written down who was working the desk that night. It might be, oh yeah, it's Officer Toland was working the desk that night. He was at the dispatch and he links together that pol- another police officer, uh, Bertrand, Eugene Bertrand, he, Bertrand's out in the car that night. He passes a woman, a distressed woman on the highway, and she says that she saw something up there. 
So this guy at the desk links it together. Muscarello is coming in, saying he saw lights. He's terribly shaken up. An officer earlier reported and just thought the woman was seeing things, of course. Now we've got two people corroborating a story. And now we got something peg, and it's starting to come together. Mm-hmm. I so don't know. I'm uh, in love. You, you're totally al- allowed to be in love with this because I'm in love with this. So with... The connection of things, wasn't there also multiple other reports that started coming in throughout the night of seeing this craft? Yeah, they do. So a couple different ones filter in. Let me, aha, here we go. So we got a couple extra people. Uh, There was Ron Smith, a senior at Exeter High School. He's riding with his mom and his aunt in the car around 1130 p.m. So this is a little earlier than when uh, Muscarello does. He also says he sees a red light on the top and bottom uh, as white and it glowed, appeared to be a spinning disc, passed over the car. Uh, while they were on their drive. So, yeah, there's another count. And there's actually some more, one that also involves Officer Tolan there. Um, Mrs. Ralph Lindsay, uh, according to Tolan, called in early just before dawn, said it was right outside her window. It's like a big orange ball. So hers changes a little bit, but also not unfamiliar with what we hear in UFO reports, especially a lot of modern ones talking about orange balls. That one links it to the Massachusetts case. Oh, and thank you to Ninth Pond for subscribing. We appreciate you. Um, I don't know if you remember from the Berkshire case, Mm -hmm. some of the reports were big orange balls. Yeah. So that's really cool. In this very small New England area, two states now have reported this big orange ball type UFO being right outside of homes. So, wow. It's a really common occurrence. It's it's very strange. Kind of what I'm digging into on the side outside of these specific episodes for the show is trying to understand a little bit better. I'm an up and coming ufologist, I guess. I'm I'm new to it all uh, other than, uh, you know, a passing interest over the years. But uh, these these shapes are so interestingly recurring. Um, The the cigar shape, the saucer, the orange ball. And they also seem to kind of change based on what our current understanding of the world is. One of them that I was fascinated by that we're going to have to do a whole episode on is the airships case of like the 1800s. Um, They see all these flying airships over cities and we're talking like hardcore steampunk style, which that didn't happen. We didn't have dirigibles to that degree when this was going on. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a very, very interesting one. You guys can even look it up, but we're going to do a whole thing on that. So, so I want to highlight one of the comments in chat, and that would be Max. She says maybe there are different t- kinds of aliens slash ships um, that are like different Navy boats. Mm, so that's that really, that's an interesting theory, Mac. Good job. That is an interesting one. I'm I'm very yeah. I, I, well, that mm, there's stuff out there about that, Mac. That's oh, you're getting ahead of yourself. So <laughs> stay tuned. But uh, Keel and them talk about stuff like that later on. So when we get to our little bit of our Mothmany type stuff, um, injured, cold, being left behind, and all kinds of stuff. Uh, anyway, getting back to Muscarella. So anyway, he he gets to the station. He's agitated as all heck. Uh, again, Toland at the desk ties it together that there's these two cases. So he calls in Officer Bertram, who was the one that saw the the distressed woman on the highway. 
Bertrand gets into the station, picks up Muscarello. They say, okay, we're going to head back over to the dining's house where he saw this. They actually get there together, police officer and Muscarello. They get there on the scene as they both see the craft slowly rise from the trees with a red flashing light. And that matches, uh, again, we did, I call this out in the notes to say it does match with the Betty and Barney Hills thing where they mentioned seeing red flashing light as well. So at least on that note, there is a direct connection in the red flashing. Uh, Bertrand describes the UFO as a huge dark object as big as a barn with red flashing lights. Also to note, like a lot of cases, it distressed a lot of the animals nearby. So they were all freaking out. That's very Horses accurate. kicking the barn. Yes. Did they ever describe what the actual craft looked like? Um, they, well, I, no, I don't. I mean, I've seen various things, but it gets switched up. So okay. not off the top of my head, I don't think so. I could try and dig it up too while we're here. I was going to say that would have just been really interesting to see if the craft was similarly shaped to the Betty Barton Hill case. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that'll take me a while to dig that up. So let's save that for another time or something. We'll save that for Discord or Twitter or something and let you guys know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, let's see. So back to what we were going on there. Uh, animals kicking the barns. Uh, so Officer Hunt got called for backup. This is another officer who gets involved. He comes over and checks out the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he gets there, he also sees that craft when it's about 100 feet away. So we got two police officers and this young man who's about to enlist in the Navy here that all got to see the craft. Plus, if we take into account the woman along the highway, she also claims to have seen it. So it's very lots and lots of eyewitnesses stacking up in this case. Two very, very credible witnesses. Peggy, what are your thoughts? Uh, My thoughts are that I, I would love to have kind of gotten to, again, sit down with these people and actually have a conversation with them about this. Because you would have to figure that two officers are trained to chase bad guys. They're trained to, you know, help people remain calm in crisis and all that. Could you imagine they were probably freaking out seeing this? Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Um, Also, like the, the, the... They really claim to get a good eyewitness of this thing. They're actually able to watch it for a while. So it's it's just crazy. I am looking this up again. A lot of the descriptions are of it just being a huge object. So, uh, yeah. Okay. They all just refer to it as the object with red pulsing lights. I don't... You'd think that would be something that would have been noted more. Maybe they we, could we call out- dis- like make a discernible shape of it. Yeah, because the one witness th- account that I read, they said, I mean, this is this is uh, taking from Officer Bertrand. It said it's huge, dark object as big as a barn with lights on it. But then he doesn't really go on to say much about the size. Well, he says the size is as big as a barn with a shape. They do mention a piece swaying back and forth, which we're going to get to here in a little bit. Um, I guess it should be noted that he did try to shoot. He pulled out his gun like he was going to shoot it, but quickly realized that would not be a a wise decision. <laughs> I, it, you know, he may have tried to shoot it, and if he did, it might have gotten angry, or it might have just been like, that's adorable. That's cute, little human. Good job. 
Yeah, it's it's a very interesting case because the witnesses. So moving on just a little bit, again, kind of disappointed I couldn't quickly find any more information on the description. But but moving on into what goes on next. So they get in touch uh, again. This will sound familiar, but Pease Air Force Base, who we mentioned last week, Mm -hmm. they end up getting in touch with them, the United States Air Force, uh, that Pease Air Force Base dispatches Major David Griffin and Lieutenant Alan Brandt to investigate the officers and Muscarello, they get there, they talk to them, try and tell them not to share this information with the press, which thankfully for us, they had already done at the time. (laughs) Uh, But when they're interviewing them, they take away how put together they were. It just, just in general. And and I've got a, I've got a quote here that major Griffin sent into it as an actual blue book report. He writes, at this time, I have been unable to arrive at a probable cause of this sighting. The three observers seem to be stable, reliable persons, especially the two patrolmen. I viewed the area of the sighting and found nothing in the area that could be the probable cause. Peace Air Force Base had five B-47 aircraft flying in the area, but I do not believe that they had any connection with the sightings. So, yeah. That's interesting. End quote. I guess that was end quote before the so yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, either way, that that was still very interesting that, um, you know, we see the same Air Force Base getting involved. But it's also Mm -hmm, very interesting mm -hmm. that the Air Force Base is like, don't tell anybody. Don't talk about it. It's a big secret. And, of course, everyone's like, dude, I want to shout this from the rooftops. Why can't I talk about this? Of course, if it was me and the Air Force was telling me to be quiet, I'm like, you're going to have to duct tape my mouth shut or something because I'm going to shout this from the rooftops. (laughs) You're going to throw me in jail before I will shut up about it. But it's interesting that, you know, they were they said they were reliable. They said that they didn't find anything. But in my research of Exeter. You did a lot of the UFO research where I did a lot mm-hmm. of the geological research. Exeter is also one of those places that was co- once covered in seawater and glaciers. Seawater Ooh. does hold the nitrates, which especially near the seabeds, obviously it, New Hampshire is no longer underwater. So that's not a case. There's also high iron content associated with the area in and around Exeter and the Exeter River. So those two things, the nitrates plus the iron, are all linked to strong UFO sightings. So it's just, it's crazy that pretty much the whole of New Hampshire is just covered in nitrates. So it's a UFO hotbed by that standpoint. So Yeah, we mentioned what last week the Hills had Mm -hmm. fertilizer in their car with nitrate when they got abducted. Yes, they did. So now you've got a place that's rich in nitrates, you've got a place that's rich in iron, and you already have a case that they were carrying nitrates Mm -hmm. this guy was walking near farms um which basically fertilizer it comes from farms and it does break down into ammonium nitrates so dun 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 dun. it's kind of crazy that all these things just all these correlations or as they say in hilarious the synchronicities so, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a whole other topic. That's a whole that's other topic. A whole other one <laughs> to dive into that chat a whole other time. Okay. So back on to our story here. Um, I, I also have a, a note here that a, a major uh, Hector Quintanilla. How do I say that? Do you have a guess? Quintin- Quintanella? 
Quintanella? I think so. Uh, Major Quintanella. Yes. Quintanella. I was really throwing my brain for a loop. I was getting stuck on those letters. So uh, Air Force Major Hector Quintanella wrote the officer saying that they likely saw those B-47s in the area. Um, Air Force also claimed the group, group may have seen the stars and planets twinkling due to a temperature inversion. But... Again, like we had just talked about, these guys saw this item 100 feet away from them. So it's not pretty hard <laughs> to mess that up. And it's a three-person three ordeal. So it's like, again, Well, yeah. you know, point of order, Major Quintanella. I'm sorry to tell you this. I have gone stargazing many times. And stars and planets twinkling are like these big they're itty bitty compared to a giant craft that's the size of a barn flashing yeah. its lightest at you dude go put your glasses your on face. apparently you're blind thank you very much have a nice day mr quintanella seriously <laughs> seriously it's it's insane uh, let's see the officers actually went on to get in touch with blue book they sent in a letter i think uh let's see so they wrote in a letter because the the official explanation that was given for this w- was very lame like that. It was, you know, all oh, these people miss saw it and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's just not, not an alien craft. So they wrote into Blue Book. Uh, these officers wrote in saying, as you can imagine, we have been the subject of considerable ridicule since the Pentagon released its final evaluation of our sightings of the September 3rd, 1965 event. In other words... Um, both Patrolman Hunt and myself saw this object at close range, checked it out with each other, confirmed and reconfirmed there was not any type of conventional aircraft, and went to considerable trouble to confirm that the weather was clear, there was no wind, no chance of weather inversion, and that what we were seeing was in no way a military or civilian aircraft. So um, I feel like that tackles what we just talked about, yeah, Megan. That kind much. of debunks Be- it. Before we continue on with the, the Project Blue Book area, why don't we tell our listeners what Project Blue Book is? Um, I don't really have a great thing to talk about in, in, in front of me other than to give, a, I guess, a very generic rundown. We'll, we'll talk about this in a, in a later time chat. We can do a full one. But uh, Blue Books is a, a government organization set up to investigate UFO activity. And we're going to – it has many different little facets that I don't know about. Last week we talked about NICAT last time, a part of it. So, again, it's it's going to be a whole – probably standalone episode to talk about blue book uh well i think we should add it to the list because that would be very interesting it would blue book is so cool i mean just the stories that come out of it i wish you would have gotten to see that show on tv and that's kind of why i don't want to lead you guys astray and like give too much information that i can't speak about but um like that i don't know firmly but yeah very very interesting stuff uh they're accused of hiding and not taking a lot of action on ufo cases so Mm -hmm. it's one of those things did the government were they completely competent and totally knew about aliens or ufos or whatever it is and just hid that information or are they completely incompetent and just never did their job to begin with and i don't know ufos are still running amok now we don't know yeah i i well I think we'll have to do an episode on Project Blue Book just to be yeah. fair because there's a lot of information and a lot of speculation associated with that that we simply, unfortunately, don't have the time to break into. 
Mm-hmm. I was hoping we had a concise, you know, quick run, you know, like two sentence thing of here's what Project Blue Book actually is. But apparently nope. there's no such explanation. Sorry. Well, chat. I mean, we could. Uh, the, I think this is great, Pagan. I think some of these questions, if you field them to me in advance for next time, let me know and I can it come prepared for this. Happily. That's why. <laughs> All good. I Like I said, if, if you want to maybe take a stab at some of these in advance, too, because mm-hmm. you could write those down and then we could have like an even more concise one. I just don't like what I said. I don't want to give people like false totally info fair. or just not anything like that. So we'll write them down. Um, basically, let's see how we're doing on time here. Yeah, well, uh, where was I, Pagan, where I left off? You are off? on point two of the blue book. Okay, let's find that again. Uh, So they received no answer uh, for Blue Book. When they wrote in, they they actually went about trying again. So so basically, it was a total freaking failure. At one point, they get a response, uh, but it, 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 it's a huge letdown. They they went on to just feel completely completely neglected by the event. So ultimately, the government failed them. The government kind of failed everyone involved. Uh, they just didn't really do any of the proper steps to the point. Like I said, they had to write in a second time to try and get any acknowledgement mm-hmm. um which is pretty disappointing seeing as the world was a lot smaller back then and this is 65 right uh, we're not at the population level we are now they're writing into this local base these are patrol officers so they're not nobodies either these aren't just joe schmoes mm-hmm. so for them not to get any kind of response is uh, like i said either very intentional or very sloppy i think it was somewhere between intentional and honestly i think that the government didn't know what to do with it so well i mean they have the whole area of blue book set up so i don't know what are they not prepared for i mean the whole concept sure but i mean they have a division made to deal with the whole concept I think possibly maybe the division was actually just made to collect the information. I don't think that they actually were briefed on, hey, how do you handle people inquiring about this? You know, now like, that I mean, could be true. That's very unfortunately common even to, in today's government. Like they'll tell you, here's what you do. Here's your job. Oh, well, what do we do if someone asks questions? You don't talk to them. You don't answer the questions. You just say no comment and you move on. And unfortunately, I think that was the case with this. And it's very sad to say that that's the case because these poor officers, they were, they're in investigative lines of work. You know, they want to know exactly what this thing is and they want help trying to figure it out and to essentially solve the case to not only put their own minds at ease, but also to put the community's minds at ease. And they never got an answer. So that's right. It's it's yep. sad, and and you're corrected. I mean, that was a very very common. Um, you'll you'll hear that a lot as you dive into this. How how they were told not to communicate to people about this mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Captain I Candy, or I'm sorry, I Captain Candy in chat says uh, this info really have to come out in 2020. So we're going back to an old case from the 60s here. But I think uh, Captain Candy's talking about all of the more recent UFO stuff. So oh, yes. again. I have a full recap on that up on the Patreon if you want to go check it out. It is a total free resource. You can go pull all those articles. I will have another blast of that coming tomorrow because there is a lot. Uh, Ultimately, we are left 
having a lot of questions about the Exeter case here. We know that there is a festival that usually goes on, and unfortunately, it won't be going on now because of the virus. So, right. I actually watched a video from the Historian Society, the Historical Did Society you? in Exeter, and they kind of made light of the whole incident because of the fact that they didn't have any answers. Nobody gave them answers. They talked about this case. And, you know, at the end... <laughs> She's just like, you know, we don't have any answers, so instead we have a festival about it. I, I guess, you know, embrace the weird at that point because there's nothing else to do. So it's it's really a crazy case. The same with the Hills case. Both cases left us with so many more questions than answers, and I don't think we're ever going to get those answers, unfortunately. <laughs> No, I'll give you the two conclusions here. So in January of 1966, Lieutenant Colonel John Spaulding um, from the Office of the Secretary of the Air Force responded to the police officers finally, saying based on additional information submitted to our UFO Investigation Center, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Ohio, we have been unable to identify the object you observed on September 3rd, 1965, end quote. So they got finally an answer that said, we don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also later on, this is way later. So that response was in 1966. In 2011, a Joe Nickel, prominent skeptic, uh, and James McGaha? McGaha? I don't know. Uh, these names are, that's a tricky one. McGaha. Sorry if I butchered yeah. your name, James McGaha. We'll, we'll just go with McGaha. I do apologize. So... Uh, basically, they they actually pulled together a fairly reasonable explanation of what could have been happening. Uh, the underbelly of a KC-97 tanker for refueling mid-flight actually has the same flashing patterns as those lights we mentioned earlier. They do the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 sort of thing. So, And they also mentioned a boom arm that was hanging down could have partially been, you know, was mistaken. But, and I mean, I understand things play tricks on the eyes in the middle of the night, but it's just a weird one. I mean, a hundred feet away, if the guy, if they're to be trusted and to be taken responsibly and even in the government said, you know, when they were investigating these guys, they said they seemed rational, sane and put together. So if we're to take it on that agreement that these people had some good semblance of what they saw as mm -hmm. professionals in the field of going out and dealing with events you know tragedies emergencies they saw something that was outside of the realm of normal policing they saw it not by one pair of eyes not two but three it's a it seems weird it's just it's weird it it's is weird very we don't weird have any not only that so to to kind of add my thoughts on the mm -hmm. 2011 response to that yeah. um refuelers as far as i know are not completely silent they have some sort of sound pretty much i think all basically aircraft of any kind in our current military and aviation has some sort of sound other than maybe our stealth bombers which still have a sound because i've actually flown in one it's it's very interesting. And I mean, maybe they didn't take into account the sound with how far away it was if they were mis, you know, identifying it, like if they're thinking it's closer than it was, for example, uh, saying it's only 100 feet away, but it's actually way, way far out. Maybe that accounts for the sound confusion. Maybe. I I don't know. Like, No way are they refueling planes 100 feet above 
the ground. No, the, not even close. Way too close. Yeah, that's way too close. Way. It'd be far, far more higher in the sky. I, words are hard, apparently, for me tonight. Um, well, but yeah, no, there, there's just no way that I think it could be that. I think that they were just like, here, we're just going to give you an answer hope, and hope they take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. I'll tell I, you in the post-show, Mac. Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about the post-show. Yeah, 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 you guys. That, so that kind of brings us to actually a, a, a little bit of a wrap on Exeter. Like I said, this is a strange case. I love how many eyes are on it. I really liked it because I had no clue that it even existed before we got to this. So look at what the show's teaching already. Um, and every every episode, I will continue to learn a little bit more and, and bring that knowledge uh, to the program. You know, let's Peg and I are researching and learning on our time. So thank you for allowing us to do that. Thank you for supporting. Tricky, I see you giving that sub in chat. Thank you very much for that. Uh, yeah, if you're a listener to the podcast here, please continue or uh, consider dropping by the show again, Twitch on Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern time. We kick that off. It's about 1 a.m. if you're in the UK. So a little bit late. Um, about 24 hours after that, though, we'll have the show going up to YouTube and um, to the whole Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the whole rundown. We'll have all of it in the, the feed. Um, if you guys didn't get a chance to listen to last week's, the Betty and Barney Hill episode was fantastic. And we got it edited. So that was pretty cool yeah, to see. Yeah, that was really cool. I uh, like that. So it, we, consider. I think we decided that we're going to attempt to do the editing this time ourselves. Um, yeah, not to that degree. I'm just going to merge together our clips. <laughs> so I'm not going to oversell that to them. Well, we're we're going to do some merging, maybe maybe very minute editing, probably not to be fair, but it's okay. We're still going to give you guys a quality episode and it'll be available here in a day or two after tonight. So we're yeah. excited to get bring that to you. Uh, the show notes will be available probably, I'd say tomorrow, first thing or first thing Saturday morning, one of the two. Um, cool. And those will be up on Patreon as well. And so if you guys have any questions or anything that you guys want to share with us in regards to paranormal events, UFOs, cryptids, anything, join the Discord. Tell us in Discord. Or go mm -hmm. to Kyle's website. And there is a – did you still leave the submit thing at the bottom no but that oh. will come back okay. yeah that is not oh. there because it wasn't ready for for prime time but pagan saying yeah we're gonna put in a submission area for people yes. to submit their stories so uh we will definitely be having that worked on and get that up like pagan said go check that out please 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 and if you want us to continue getting episodes and stuff like that edited uh, make it very nice on your ear holes continue supporting that's kind of a pricey endeavor we were looking into that and it it runs uh, yeah it, it it tallies up at the end of the month so if, you know it it's pricey <laughs> if you would like to support that though because i i think it's worth it i think people that are listening on the podcast feed will absolutely appreciate all of our ums uhs and other craziness cut out um to the people that are here in twitch you guys love it and are used to that so Thank you, thank you, thank you very much to everyone's considered donating for the people that are joining the Patreon or uh, for people that are joining Discord too, that are following the Twitter, the Instagram. All of those links can be found easily in the description below. We have a link tree set up. If you click into that, it will give you everything. We also have a link tree for both Pagan and myself. So you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and all the places in between. 
Um, what else do you want to lay on them this week, Pagan? Anything as we sign off? Our our Instagram and our Twitter are both growing rapidly still, which is so cool. Thank you to anyone who has followed us. Thank you to just being so supportive and allowing Kyle and I to do all of our crazy paranormal fun investigative work. We love it so much. Uh, also, we had some great submissions this week in Discord. We had some great people reaching out to us on social media. Uh, keep it up. Send us all that paranormal stuff. I don't care if you think that it is slightly paranormal. It might be paranormal. I don't care. I want to see it. It might be totally, completely paranormal. And you might just be going, I'm looking at this super skeptical because I don't want to be crazy. Let us be crazy for you. It's totally okay. Yeah, that's great. I agree with that. So, totally agree with that. Please, please, please. So submit them in Discord for now. We'll let you know when it's up on the website. Look forward to the website logo. A warning, again, that will pop up on the podcast at some point. So when you see the eyeball triangle guy with the tentacles and you're like, what show is this? I'm unsubscribing. Don't. Nope. It's, it's still the shadow. same. It's still the same. We're it's... just changing the logo, y'all. Because we... With a much cuter dude. He really Sorry. is. He is adorable. He's adorable and, and creepy he... all at the same time. He's perfect. Yeah. He comes with different flavors, too. I'm, I'm showing chat the ones that are on Patreon. So so check all those out, too. Look at all those, those creepy are guys. I love them. Okay, Pagan, let's, let's let them go for the week. We'll touch base with you guys next week. In the meantime, if you're looking for anything from us again, check the Patreon. That's the first stop. We have a ton of stuff up there, all free and everything in between. So go look. Uh, Pagan, thank you again for bringing all your research and your knowledge to the show. Thank you as well. Absolutely. Let's catch these folks next week. You guys have a great one, and we'll see you next Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Twitch. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.